0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right. Hello, everybody. What is going on? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you for locking in, whether it's the audio side, uh, the video side. going to get into uh, today's show. It's a good one in a quick minute. Before that, real quick, I wanted to just, uh, a lot of people have been asking what's going on with the show in terms of dates and guests and stuff like that. It's been kind of out of whack lately, especially Fridays that I've been doing with Joe Yearning for the past year. So there's not going to be a podcast this Friday, starting next week. Joe Yurden is going to be joining me for a show every Tuesday. So Tuesdays are going to be Joe Yurden. Casual Fridays are going to continue, but going forward, starting next Friday, I'm going to have Aaron Quinn from Cover One. That's going to be my guy for casual Friday. So Tuesday with Joe Yurden, Fridays with Aaron Quinn, and then Wednesdays is going to be the show each week where I have a different guest. Some of them will be remote. Some of them will tape live at uh, wing spots like we did in the past. I just want to let you guys know that, so thank you for uh, being patient. Anyway, as for today, good friend of mine, recurring guest, writer, expected Buffalo creator, Chad D. Dominicis. What's going on, buddy? How you doing?
2: I'm good, Pat. How are you?
1: I'm good, man. I appreciate you doing this. We're taping this pretty late on a Wednesday night after the Sabres, or Tuesday night, I'm sorry, we're taping it, after the Sabers' second last preseason game. A couple of things I wanted to get into before that. We'll talk some Sabres. And you've been on before enough times to know, and people who listen enough. Chad's not just a hockey guy. I know it seems like Chad's a hockey guy because he <laughs> writes about hockey. But if you follow him on Twitter, especially during Bills games, you wouldn't know this. Chad's a football guy, too. So I like to kind of pick his brain a little bit and talk some football. So we'll certainly do both of those. For anything else, so let's just jump right into something else here. So we're taping this again Tuesday. Chad and I are both New York Yankee fans, and it's been mm-hmm. a long process, man. We've been waiting for... Well, first we waited for a while for 61, and then we got that. And finally, tonight, with uh, only one game left after tonight, Aaron Judge finally hits uh, number 62. So, again, hopefully people are watching this on Wednesday. So it'll, it'll be semi-fresh. Let me play the clip real quick. I got it here. I'm going to pull it right up. If you're watching on YouTube and you haven't seen it I'm sure you have. But I'm going to play it again anyway because it just makes me happy. Here's Aaron Judge hitting number 62. What a, what a, oh. That's not the start we wanted, Aaron. I mean, Chad, here we go. <laughs> Jesus, I'm all over the place. Here we go. half <laughs> Barrett goes. Staring into history. He's done it. He has done it. 62. Aaron Judge is the American League's single-season home run leader. B.I.L. King. Case closed. All right. Now that we've seen that, and I'll get my head out of my ass here, we'll go into the wrong <laughs> video calling Chad by Aaron. All right. I got my shit on straight a little bit here. First thoughts on seeing that. Again, this is fresh in our minds. It just happened one an hour or two ago. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I mean, as Yankee fan, exciting, right? It's awesome. It, it's something that we've Personally, I thought it would have happened a couple of weeks ago uh, mm-hmm. on the page on it, it but at the same time, you know it kind of like when you get to sixty, it's like okay, now the pressure's on to hit sixty one and it hit sixty two so i i kinda i get it from that regard that it took a little bit longer, but yeah, and it, it's fun, it's exciting you know to have that type of thing um in today's you know league basically, so um you know it's cool, it's fun,
1: um uh, you could tell the pressure was getting to him a little bit. Yeah, you wouldn't come on and say it, I would expect tonight or yeah. tomorrow over the next few days, he'll kind of reflect back and, and maybe talk about the pressure of getting 61 and, and then ultimately 62. Now, do you consider 60? It's obviously, it's undisputed. He's the AL home run king all-time single season. Not the all-time single season. However, yeah. a lot of controversy. Sosa, McGuire, of course, Barry Bonds. In your book, is he the legitimate home run king, or do you still consider Barry Bonds and then even Maguire were so ahead of them as uh as the home run kings for a single season?
2: No, I mean I, I I would still consider the other guys. Look, it we know those guys were cheating, but at the same time, to be fair, the, the pitchers were cheating too. Everybody was mm-hmm. cheating. It's not like just those three guys were the only one cheating at that time. Everybody was doing it pitchers hitters you know whatever so in, in that sense of mind. that's how i've always justified it that it was a fair playing field because everybody was doing it so like it was just those guys and nobody else was cheating so yeah i mean i, I think they're so legitimate the, the numbers count and that's the way it goes but you know this is something that you can look at differently you know it's not in the juiced era you could say you know it's it's kind of at a time too when pitching is more dominant than ever you could say too. So that that's even more credence to judge there to, to get that done. But yeah, I mean, I I think a little bit of this is also hitting me. I mean, not, not to go down the potential bad news part of it is it, it always, it, it sounds like this gets me to the off season with him. Like, okay, this would really stink. And this was his last season as a Yankee. And like, it it's in my head. Like I, I in my gut, I feel like he's coming back. Cause it's Aaron Shaw, just New York
1: city. Like, come on. Like he just feels New York. Yeah. You're right. Don't get me wrong. And it is something to be concerned about. Cause it didn't get done. End of the day though, man, I just, first of all, I can't see the Yankees being outbid. I mean, it's going to cost a lot of money, but I just can't see him going anywhere else. I mean, it's not even like a rod was a star, but a rod was yeah. a star to the highest. He was like a mercenary almost. You know what I mean? He would go where he'd go where the money would go. Derek Jeter just felt like, a you know, the cap and the Yankee. He, he just epitomizes the Yankees. And I feel like Aaron Judge is kind of on that level as well now. The way yeah. he feels about New York, the way New York feels about him. Now, I don't know. I mean, we, you know, we're not behind the scenes. So who knows how negotiations went and, what, and maybe it left a bad taste in his mouth right. at some point. I don't know. But I just, man, I can't see him going anywhere else. But yeah. You never know. Not now. We're both Yankee fans. Do you ramp up your excitement when it gets to be playoff time? Because I'm going to be honest with you, this gave me a reason to watch more baseball Yankee games yeah. during the regular season because Aaron Judge was chasing the all time record. Which, again, I consider this, by the way, the, the all time home run record. At least as far as I'm concerned, AL. And but more importantly, just the Yankees. I, I, it was just so cool for me as a, as a fan of the Yankees, a lifelong fan, but. No, typically, man, I'm not really into it that much during the regular season. I don't watch that many games with playoff time. Too many games. Ramps up. Does it ramp up for you though when it gets to be playoff time? Oh,
2: 100%. Yeah. This like I, this is when I start to get into it. I, I think at the at the last couple of weeks of the season, uh, I get into the playoff races and then like, don't get me wrong. Like I follow the team throughout the season. Like I'll, I'll watch a few games here or there, you know, yeah, I'll go too. to a game. I'll go to a game or two. Like I know what's going on. Like I'm not, I just don't, I don't block them out forever, but uh, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, when the playoffs start, you know, I'm, in every game beginning to end. Like, yeah, I got that. Yeah.
1: Me too. Now the Sabres are, this is dropping Wednesday. So eight days away from the start of the regular season. Again, I've said, you're also, you're a football guy, you're a Yankees fan. You watch baseball when it ramps up post season, but at your core, you're still a hockey guy. Is this oh, like, yeah. uh, this time of year, is this like December for you? Is this like close to Christmas? You kind of get that feeling?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you kind of get that itch in September, um, especially this year when August really, I mean, August is always kind of the dog days, if you will, uh, of the off season, and literally nothing happens. But like usually maybe you get one or two or three things, at least league wide to talk about when this year you got like nothing. So this summer was kind of after free agency uh, was really a drag. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, you know, when training camp started, uh, I think really run the prospect challenge is when it, you really get into it. Um, you feel hockey's coming, kind of when football starts, you know, it's around the corner. And then the fun thing about hockey training camp is like, like it opens on a Tuesday and Oh, by the way, your first game's Friday. Like you're like, you're right into it. You're going. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and I'm ready. Um, we just had Ottawa a week or eight days, um, from today. So it, it's going to be a fun season I'm looking forward to it. probably the most looks forward to i guess that sounds weird to say but season probably since like maybe eichel's second year so Mm -hmm. um yeah i'm excited and then you know the group the group for the site's excited too
1: now i was gonna say it's one thing as a fan just a fan of hockey and specifically the sabers but in terms of your work expected buffalo and stuff like that you get excited about that too ready to ramp it up for people who are listening or watching who might not know, tell people a little bit about expected Buffalo and some of the things that you're going to do that you have done and that you're going to continue to do that are a little bit unique compared to a lot of the other blogs and, and things out there.
2: Yeah. I mean, our whole thing, for those who don't know, um, we're we're worried we about the Sabres, but we kind of take a different angle from it most of the time, not every single time, but most of the time um, we're a website that focuses on the analytic side of hockey—that's our bread and butter. Anthony, myself, uh, Eddie—that's um, you know that's where we, we cut our teeth. Essentially, that, that's how we kind of bring a different lens. Than really, I mean, it, those dead numbers are becoming more prevalent in hockey. So it's like not nah, like it's just us like talking about it. Um, but I, I think that's kind of what we do. It's what we focus on. It's what we lean into. Um, and it goes beyond that. Not only at the NHL level covering the Sabers, uh, something I've done for a couple years now that I'll do again this year is excuse me, is is player tracking uh, at the AHL level. So the unique fun thing about the AHL this year with the Americs is there's a lot of interesting players. Luca Prusak is one. Uh, Yuri Kulic, who was just drafted in the first round this year. Isaac Rosine who drafted in the first round last year. Uh, Philip Cedarquist. I'm I'm sure I'm missing guys too, but there's a, a litany long list of interesting prospects in the AHL this year. So we'll do uh, player tracking, because you don't really have advanced stats for HL. Those aren't public, publicly available, so nobody really gets that. So it's kind of a unique perspective that we provide for our subscribers. It's uh, you know, it's not your shot, share your shot quality. I'm kind of going to abandon that this year because it makes it more difficult to do that on a game-by-game basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's more looking at shot attempts, basically looking at all the, we call them microstats, but all of the ways that kind of lead to a scoring opportunity. Primary assist, secondary assist. Uh, four checks, uh, zone entries, zone exits, um, high danger chances, high danger passes, uh, shot attempts, you know, all, all those fun things. I kind of the nuances that go into playing defense and, and creating offense um, are things that we're, we're you know, to track. And it's a manual exhausting exercise at time, but I, I think it's fun, unique data set that you really can't get anywhere else.
1: For sure. And you, that's the red inside, by the way, um, uh, Chad and Anthony also do a podcast. There's an expected Buffalo mm-hmm. podcast. Let me let me ask you an honest question. To be honest with me, man, don't lie. Okay, podcasting, you do it as part of the gig for sure. But so when you have, especially when you know when when you and Anthony have a really good side, of expected Buffalo, you guys got a really nice following. You mm-hmm. do the podcast. Do you enjoy? Do you truly enjoy doing a podcast, or is it something that you do again because it's part of what you <laughs> offer as a brand, like in in a sense. Almost everyone Now, if you have a blog or you work for a website, yeah. you got to have some form of podcast in a company. He said, does it feel like that's just something that you do because you got to do it? Or do you like truly enjoy podcasts? Because I'm going to be honest, man. I've talked to a lot of people and it goes both ways. Some people love doing a podcast and some people are like, eh, not really. But I know that's something that we got to do. How do you feel about that? It depends, I think, on what's going
2: on. Um, I will say as the years have gone on here, I think we're going, well, me because um, I, I was doing this with a friend of mine, Bill, before Anthony jumped out when Bill stepped away, Anthony jumped in. Uh, I think this will be my sixth year doing a podcast. As every year has gone by, I think I've got less enthused by it. Um, <laughs> That's fair. Very fair. I mean, it. don't get me wrong. There's times where I can't wait to flip on the mic and talk. And, and a lot of it is, yeah, I'm going to do a power do a podcast. We get the preparation ready. And then like, a day of the podcast and I'm like, Ugh. but you know, once you flip the mic on, talk to Anthony, then you kind of get into it. So really, sure. it's kind of that thing where like leading up to it, you really kind of don't want to do it. And then once you start doing it, like, okay, yeah, we're just talking hockey. We're having fun. It's just a conversation. You know, we like to talk about this. And so we've tried to do things, you know, to mix it up, kind of have some more fun about it. Anthony and I are kind of, you know, if you follow us or know us, we're kind of, you know, jokesters, if you will, in a sense, sure. we kind of you try to have fun with it, especially with the team as Ben, you kind of have to have fun with it.
1: Sure, Um, But
2: this is going to be an interesting season. I think it's going to be different because I think this is the first season legitimately uh, that I've covered this team and I've been doing it for 2022, probably close to 10 years now that I think we're going to be talking about a team that is supposed to be winning and actually doing it and being exciting. So we've always, Anthony, I've always said, we, we know how to cover a bad team. But I think we're gonna kind of find out this year if we know how to cover at the very least a decent team. A competitive so I think team. It, it's yeah. a different it's a different dynamic I think we're gonna have this year.
1: Yeah, I never really thought of it that way. When when you do a hockey podcast, if you've especially if it's been a Sabres podcast over the last handful of years, you gotta find creative ways to entertain not just your listeners but yourself. Because you're talking yeah. about a team that loses all the time. It kind of feels right. like maybe if you were a Bills podcaster, like you would be going into like their two two uh, thousand maybe nineteen season. No, yeah. where they made, they ended up making a playoffs that year, lost to Houston, but well, it's more fun when the team is mm-hmm. getting good. You probably get a little more energy. I'm sort of the same way. That's why I, I kind of like chuckled a little bit. When you say that, I, I, I still like this. Like I love talking to people like you once the, the camera's on and the, and the recording yeah. buttons in. And I like that. The difference I would say is the years that went on, this is going to be close to five years now for me doing this show, the difference and I'm being honest with you and everybody here, Two, three years ago, like the opening of this podcast, 10 minutes ago, when I butchered, put it on the wrong clip, and I called you Aaron by accident instead of Chad, <laughs> I would go back afterwards and I would take the, the painstaking time to go find that, chop it out on the audio side, and then also on the video side, which takes yeah. even way more time than the audio yeah. side. I would go back and I would change every little imperfection during the podcast now I kind of have a mentality. I get up on the T and I just grip it and rip it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't, if, if I make a mistake, uh, it, it, we're human and we have warts, you know what I mean? And, uh, I, I just let things go. So the, the, probably I, I'm less enthusiastic about the work side, the production side of everything that comes with the podcast. Now I just sit recording, whatever happens, happens, unless it's something that's horrible and I have no choice, yeah. but to go back. But I couple of years ago if that would have happened when you and I I, I probably would have went back and changed it but anyway uh now, now Podcast also- editing is
2: is it's it, I think that might be the worst part of our podcasting is the editing part
1: of it yeah yeah it's- the production part it's it's fun to be a guest for the most part on someone's show because you come on mm-hmm. you do your thing and then you're done you know yeah. when you're on the production side like uh, Joe Yarnon he kind of does he does both sides he comes on my show we do casual Fridays which is now going to be on Tuesdays and he's my guest he talks and he's done and I got to do all the bullshit work afterwards. But <laughs> on maintenance day podcast that he does with Lance that drops on Mondays. It's the other way around. Yeah. Joe's doing the post-production and all that stuff. We got to put the show notes and all that other stuff together. So yeah. anyway, it, it is what it is now. Also, you've been dabbing a little bit. I noticed recently, not, not real recently, but semi-recently. I, I've seen you guys dabbing, dabbling around a little bit with some live stream stuff. Is that something that you're going to be doing more of going forward?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yes. I I think we say it every year that we want to, and I think this might be the year we actually do it. Uh, because I mean, for the very reason you just said, I think it adds a little bit more spice to doing a podcast. Um, particularly because I like the interaction of having people kind of commenting while you're, you're, you're recording or while you're going, you know, I I think the, uh, like the draft show we did, I think was a really good success. Um, a lot of people like this, (laughs) So. (laughs) <laughs> it's funny we we went for three hours
1: which is insane i watched some of it man it was, i remember <laughs> you guys was a couple other guests uh taylor fulton was on seltzer i remember there were, yeah. there were a couple people on for we for had a few chris
2: ostrander on joe Yurden was yep. on in the beginning mm-hmm. uh anthony was well the whole time with me uh eddie was supposed to be just a guest but he ended up staying the entire time um we had austin too who's a who's a big prospect guy so he's really kind of our de facto prospects guy, if you will, for expected Buffalo. He, you know, jumps it from time to time. Uh, He was on for a while, and that was really cool because he, you know, I could say I know about these prospects, but really beyond, like, the first, like, first round to maybe early second round, beyond that, you no know, like, right. where Austin can, like, give you full details on the guy that's picked in the seventh round. Like, he watches those guys all season. Right. So he's one of those really in-depth draft guys. So it was kind of cool to have him on um and do stuff like that. And then we did, like, the – you know, the live uh, prospect rankings too, um, yeah. that we kind of put together for Expected Buffalo and then release them as, you know, basically we had the debate um, of ranking them ourselves, you know, and then people were interacting too. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think we want to do something more like that. I think um, now that COVID is, I don't want to say over, but the world considers it over, um, I think we've always talked about like doing more like live podcasts too, like going out somewhere and doing something, something like that. Um, cause Anthony and I like to meet people and talk to people. Um, yeah, me too. So, um,
1: those are my favorite shows. When I get a chance yeah. to do them live, and I think you guys are good at that doing a live stream. I think that's something that'll work well for you. This is where we, we differ a little bit. You and I, because, and eventually I'm going to do some live streams as well. I haven't done any to this point, but interaction wise, like my show is, I, I got you on and I already know what I wanted. I don't need no comments from other people. I already know <laughs> what me, you and I are going to talk about. The difference is. You're a, you're, you're a guy like you're almost like an analyst in a way when it comes to hockey. So if you're doing a hockey live stream, people are going to want to ask you questions, you know, they're right. going to comment yep. and they're going to ask you questions because you're very much an X's and O's guys too. You know what I mean? So yep. you can answer questions live in real time. That's why I think live streams would work really, uh really good for you guys. And again, turn our attention to the Sabres. This should be, should be a fun year for you guys to finally a fun year for you guys to, uh, <laughs> to cover the team. Second, last Preseason game Tuesday night as we're taping this. They beat Carolina four to two. Um, again, I watched the game. I told you this before we started taping. So many times I have Joe Yurd on the show, and I'm I bullshit my way through because I didn't actually watch the game. And Joe ends up <laughs> talking about the whole thing. Um, just this whole entire preseason, I, I guess, not necessarily this one game on Tuesday night. This has been a uh, kind of like the way the season sort of ended last year, like. Like for an example, yeah. Tuesday night's game, tonight's game. I have fun watching it. There were times where I forgot it was a preseason game. It was like the pucks moving around, they were flying around. I, I actually I was pretty entertained, especially for a preseason game tonight.
2: Yeah, cool. it, yeah. I, I think they, they came out um hot out of the gate and and that's cool. Um especially being, you know, I mean again it wasn't like a packed house or anything, but uh right you know, to have you know the, your fans in, in the building and to kind of, um, it's kind of how the
1: crowd's been for the last few yeah, years, though. right? So it's not yeah. like it's been packed houses during the regular yeah. season, but yeah, uh,
2: yeah. In the first few periods, yeah, they're on fire. And you know, I had to keep telling myself the Hurricanes brought their AHL team almost literally. So, like, sure. you, you have the Sabres NHL lineup against the Canes AHL lineup. So, like, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys you could see, you know, I was always skeptical, uh, about end of season stuff carrying over into next season you know I don't know if that's really a thing um I've even done some research on it, you know an article think like I written a year or two ago where it's it's kind of not uh, but you know something with this team it's just, it's just you can see the, the confidence um, Darlene doesn't look like he's gonna forget to play hockey the first half of the season he sells that confidence he had last year uh, Tage Thompson looks looks unreal. Uh, so I mean, he looks in <laughs> today. He looked even better than he did oh. last year. Yeah. Uh, Cousins looks like he's ready to take a snap. Even Middlestad looked really good in the preseason too. Or like, well, not just tonight, but I think overall. Um, so maybe he's ready to go if he can find this healthy. I think Jack Quinn looks really exciting, uh, and then Owen Power just the guy is so he's so impressive, and I think he's going to be so fun to watch because he's not going to do flashy things, but if you just watch him play, the things he does within a game to help you win, to generate offense. Like it's, it's unreal. And, and, you know, I'm sure I'll write about it many times with video clips and everything to kind of break it down and show people, but like just the way, like even just like in the offensive zone, like he keeps offensive zone time alive because of how aggressive he is pinching down from the wall, he'll retrieve a puck, regroup, and then restart the offensive cycle. And he can like, it's, it's exciting, you know, to have Darlene, if he's going to play at that level, to have power the level, he can be at, and then all of the exciting stuff going forward. And then, oh, by the way, you have the best prospect pool in the NHL, too, behind all of that. Um, good times ahead, I think. Definitely good times ahead.
1: I want to talk to you about the line combinations that um, Granado has out right now. And I, I think he had something along. He said something along the lines. I'm completely paraphrasing. But this is what he thinks he might go into the season with or what he's looking to. He's not going to yeah. mess around with it much. Let me read these off to you and get your thoughts on them. So, these were the Sabres' four lines of practice. And then in the game uh, Tuesday night here against Carolina. So, Skinner and Thompson stay together and they're with Olafson, And then you have Middlestad who's centering uh, Alex Tuck and Jack Quinn, who you talked about. And then that third line, you got Cousins who's centering JJ Paterka and Peyton Krebs. which I want to mm-hmm. ask you about that line specifically because Anthony, your partner in Expected Buffalo, I was reading a couple of his tweets earlier Tuesday, and then the fourth line is uh, Gergeson, centering Akposo and Asplen. I want to get your general thoughts on those four lines, and more specifically that line of Cousins, Paterka, and Krebs. And Anthony was expressing a little bit of concern because of the maybe the defensive side of that line, those guys being young and nobody really proven as a two-way player yet. But anyway, I wanted to get your thoughts on these lines and specifically that one. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I get what Anthony was saying. Um, I don't wholeheartedly agree, I, I guess you could say. I don't agree, just I found it interesting that they're going to kind of try to rebuild that log line like when Larson was here, but, you know, with Gergens as an apostle, but instead of Larson, it's going to be but now. Uh, I thought he kind of made sense as a guy like he did last year, played up the lineup um, as a nice defensive player for the younger guys and kind of solidify those lines with younger players. Um, so much so that he received Selke votes last year. It's how good he was defensively. But it looks like they're going to kind of go back to you know building that de facto log line if you will, but not with Aspen there. So that's fine. Um, you know <laughs> that first line with Tuck, Skinner, and Olafson is going to be very interesting because when they played the other last games, look at their numbers. Uh, offensively, they were really good, really good, but defensively they almost gave it all back because they were pretty bad defensively. Now you can do things with that to, you know, how you deploy them situationally uh, the defensive group you put around them. You can do things to mitigate that. And maybe, you know, I, I think Thompson played really good today defensively as, as a centerman. So maybe, you know, in a second year as a centerman, he kind of takes on more of the defensive roles, understands it. And you get a step there and overall that helps your team defensively. Uh, so that, that makes sense. while well, that group's helping to get back together. Uh, the middle stack was middle stack Quinn and tuck line. Uh, I I think they're using Tuck essentially as the guy to protect middle Stat and Quinn. Um, similar to what he did with Skinner and Thompson last year, you know, uh, tuck is unbelievable how important he is to this team. It's really hard to describe. Um, so I really like that group today, the three of them together. I think that makes sense going into the season. Uh and then the cousins line is is gonna be interesting. It, it, it we'll see. We'll see if it's gonna be Peterka or Hinnestroza on that one wing. Um honestly, it wouldn't stun me if Hinnestroza starts over Paterka and Peterka ends up on the AHL, but we'll see how that goes. Uh and then the other winger being uh Krabs, I believe. Yeah. Uh I Granado likes to put a lot of pressure on cousins. He likes to, I mean, if you remember last season, cousins was playing against McDavid on some nights. That was the matchup, right? He played against McDavid. He plays against Crosby. uh, The other team's top line. He gave him that responsibility. He gave him that pressure. Uh, And and some nights it went really well. Some nights it went pretty poor. Uh, And I, I think this season he's relying on cousins, you know, being his third year in the league uh to kind of take that step and i think from what i've seen the preseason he's just looked really good i think he's ready to do that i think he's improved his game defensively i think he starts to understand now what he can and cannot do on the rush uh and i and i think that's also going to result in higher goal scoring numbers so while i think that one line might be on an island at times and it could be a little bit sketchy uh, you know i have most confidence in cousins Uh, he, he's my breakout guy this year. I was saying it in the end of last year in the off season. Uh, he, he's, he's my breakout guy this year and I'm pretty, still pretty confident that's going to happen.
1: Uh, let's, uh, where do I want to go I want to circle back when you talked about Hinnestroza. Now again, preseason is preseason, and they were basically mm-hmm. playing an AHL team for what it's worth. Hinostratus scored a goal tonight. And a really nice feed from yep. age Thompson. Cousins also scored. I believe it was short-handed too. He scored a goal. Uh, he did yes. tonight as well. And, and then we mentioned Baturka. He scored into an empty net uh, to clinch the victory. And then Thompson had a really nice breakaway goal. Those were the four goals uh, for the Sabres tonight. But anyway, so you can not see Hinnestroza initially starting while Paturka goes into the HL because, you know, I've talked about this with Joe a few times and this was, there weren't a lot of mysteries. I'm sure you agree with this. There weren't a lot of mysteries and training camp plots going into this preseason mm-hmm. and camp. Not a lot of, you know, like, Oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah. But that so if there was one to me, it was Quinn and Baturka. but I was reasonably confident that Quinn was going to start in Buffalo right from the beginning. it certainly appears to be, that's going to be the case, but, Turka, it's like if he doesn't have a certain role, you think it might be better for him to go to Rochester to start the season? If you were Granado and, and you were in charge of making a decision, and these were your guys and your decisions to make with this lineup, what would you do with JJ Berturka right now? It's so hard.
2: Um, honestly, we don't know yet, but Granado might have not in a good way, might get an out on this, depending on what Apostle's injury is, because he didn't play in the third period today. Uh so if he's gonna miss any sort of time here, you know, I, I think Granado gets out of making the decision because then you can keep both of them. Mm-hmm. But if everybody's healthy, um it, it's funny because I think last year Paterka deserved to make this roster and they made the decision better for his development that he starts in the AHL. It's <laughs> easy. We can have an opposite situation where I think he's actually played relatively poorly. In the preseason games he's played in, but I still think he can still make the team. So it's interesting how that dynamic might actually work out. But if I'm Granado, I would probably, I would probably put Paterka down there and tell him he's my first call up based on things that we've seen. I I think he's struggled with a few things, um, you know, in terms of defensively, in terms of decision make with the puck. Uh, I think he's seeing that it's more difficult to beat a NHL defender than it was an AHL defender, because down in the AHL, you kind of just, I'm faster, bigger, stronger than you, and I'm just going to skate by you. But uh, well, that doesn't really work at the NHL level necessarily. And, and don't get me wrong, the AHL team is going to be loaded with a lot of young guys too, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think when you drafted Paterka in the second round two years ago, uh, if you would have said he he's borderline NHL player by year two, uh, I think you'd have been pretty excited with that. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's tough because of the season he had last year, you know, hit one of the right behind Jack Quinn, excellent rookie season. Uh, you can make an argument those are the two best rookies in minor hockey this last year and they you know they're 19 years old. Uh, so I just you know, it, it's hard to push in a shows out. I think he gives you certain things. Um from a veteran aspect, I think he's a speed guy. Uh, I think at least to start the season, to make sure your team gets off on, on the right foot, um, to have him to show does to do that. And then as you know, injuries are going to happen. We might even have one already. Uh, and then tell Paterka, you know, you're the first call up. Let's go down there and work on some of these things you struggled with in the preseason. And then you're my first call up when something happens and we'll get you right back up here. So
1: uh, pleasant. Yeah. To your point, it's not like they're punting the president by playing in yeah. his Now he's pretty, He's a serviceable player. Yeah, so Bjork, absolutely. Bjork's your Bjork's your extra forward, correct? To start the season.
2: Shane my extra forward to start the season. I i I I legitimately think that they're gonna wait Bjork. Yeah. I just don't think this organization has any more use for him anymore. Okay. And if someone um, claims him, then whenever if not, then he goes on to the age. so I, I think Riley Shane is right now, I would say is your 13th forward.
1: Okay. And uh Captain. I I posso? I posso. Yeah, for sure.
2: also this year, Dallin next year.
1: And with Owen Power, you spoke of him. He's going to be playing with Yoki Haru to start the season. How do you feel about that combination? I mean, it's not like there's a ton of options right now for him, but Yoki
2: Haru scares me. Uh, He has not been good in the preseason. He was not good last year until Power arrived, uh, and he started to play better with Power. So maybe you hope. Well, I I I shouldn't say Yoki Haru, I think, was fine tonight. He made made one bad mistake, one rough pass. Uh, But other than that, he, he wasn't really noticeable, which is a good thing. Uh, That's what you want from him. Um, But yeah, Yoki Haru, Haru scares me a little bit. Um, Especially when, you know, your right side of your defense is is kind of shallow um, for for the Sabres. They have have Labushkin, who's a right shot defenseman. Um, It's nice that you have Dalini, who can play on the right side now, Uh, and and then uh, Samuelson on the left. Uh, Bryson kind of gives that flexibility to play on the right side. I think Casey, Casey Fitzgerald's a right shot defenseman, but I don't know, I think at the other day, he's a seventh defenseman for you at best. Then there's really not much in your organization behind him. There's Oskari Laxanen, who, I don't know, the guy really still can't figure out how to defend at the pro level, so I'm not really thinking much out of him. So, you know, if, if Yoki Haru doesn't work out, it, it puts him in a tough spot on the right side. Uh, they have options if it doesn't. And like I said, Bryson, then he can move Pilot up here on the left side, and, and it works out for you. But, yeah, I'm just hoping Power can... Keep Yoki Hari where he was in that small sample size last season.
1: One last question with the Saber involving the Sabers. I wanted to ask you about the goaltender Eric Comrie, the the new mm-hmm. addition. Haven't seen too much of him, obviously during the preseason. But from what you have seen or from camp and just everything you've seen and read and heard, how are you feeling about him going into the season? And do you think he has that ability? Not maybe not necessarily to be, uh, you know, uh, undisputed number one who's going to play sixty sixty five games, but just as even if he's the one a goaltender going into this season uh what have you seen from him what are you thinking
2: yeah he's uh i mean in, in a sense comries my guy he's the guy that i kind of petitioned for yeah i remember uh, that all off season so yeah, i remember you know, um yeah I, I think i think a lot of the season rides on how good he's gonna be uh I'd be lying if I said I'm 100% confident that he's going to be as good as he was as the backup in Winnipeg last year, because I don't I don't know. But if you look at his numbers and small sample sizes, they're impressive. And it's not only the on NHL level, it's the AHL level. too. So, you know, I, I like the way he moves in net. I think he's, I like the way he is positionally. Um, I thought he played really good against Columbus. I know there's four goals that were let up against him, but kind of what you saw happen to Carolina tonight from Buffalo happened in Columbus to the Sabres. Um, he was shelled almost the entire night. I think he made a lot of good saves. That game could have been eight, seven to one or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he played relatively well in that game. Um, and we'll see, you know, it, it's goaltending has been a thing in Buffalo for years. So, you know, you just, you, you, you hope for the best and, and that's all you can really can do with goaltenders in the NHL. It's, it's so up and down from year to year. It's harder. It's the hardest thing to predict in this league. So you kind of just cross your fingers and, and you hope for the best.
1: Sounds good. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Come back on the other side. I'll have Chad. We're going to actually talk a couple minutes worth of Buffalo Bills. Be right back, folks. Sports fans who like the wager, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than OddsTrader. Why is OddsTrader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you wanna throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most, if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign-up codes and promos from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader, the app also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which by the way, that can be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a betting tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, OddsTrader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in this betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddtrader.com slash BlueWire. Again, that's OddsTrader.com slash BlueWire. Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I am back
1: with Chad D. Dominicus from Expected Buffalo. All right. So let's turn our attention for a few minutes here. talking about the Buffalo bills. We're a month in four weeks in three and one. I, I would venture to say, if I asked you before the season started, what would you think the bills would be after four games? And you said three, I told you they'd be three and one. You'd be like, yeah, pretty much sounds about right. Yeah. What's, what's been a couple of your biggest, your biggest uh, takeaways through the first month of the season. And then I got a handful of things, both good and bad that I wanted to hit on and, and get your reaction, but well, like maybe so far through the first month, your 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 biggest takeaway,
2: Josh Allen is really good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's maybe number one, two, three, four, and five. Sure. Uh, I, I don't even know what to say. Like it's the arc this guy has taken from where he was when he presented this league to now, me with no exaggeration, with no exaggeration ever, but I mean no exaggeration right now. Almost unstoppable. Literally. Yeah. The only way he is stopped in most cases is either by extreme heat. And even that didn't really slow him down that much. Uh, or a turnover. There yeah. there is like other than that, you really don't stop this guy. Oh. And it's wild. He does what he wants when he wants. It's insane. Puts the ball anywhere he wants. He'll run wherever he wants. You're not gonna tackle him. He's gonna run over you. It's it's insanity. It, it's insanity. So that, that's that's the top takeaway.
1: Um, 100%. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the other takeaways I have is the defense is really impressive. Uh, and, you know, you talk I even mean, the Bills offense is obviously the focus, but then like, you follow that up with, I think this defense is better than, it, it might be the best defense McDermott has had. Uh, I mean, they're playing as well as they are right now. I mean even look look against Lamar Jackson or other good quarterbacks they faced. They're playing as good as they are right now without Hyde, without Trey White, without Oliver, without Phillips. Like then they they were playing a UB, you know, undrafted free agent a couple of weeks ago. And you know, they don't have their main guys. Benford got hurt when he looked good. Like they don't have their big guys and they're still just a dominant defensive force. And it's not like last year. It's not against bad quarterbacks. It's Stafford, it tanhills eh. it's it's Tua who's had a good season. It, it's Lamar Jackson, like the first bad quarterback you can say, quote unquote bad. You're, they're going to receive is Kenny Pickett this week. Mm-hmm. So, and, and when you put that together, it's just it, it, it gets to about the super the Super Bowl favorite, right? When you add all of that up, but I think there's issues within that. I think you know not for the defensive side, but maybe the offensive side. I think the running back situation behind, beyond Singletary is something to be concerned about. I think the wide receiver depth, especially with Gabe Davis being hobbled can become a problem. Um, So I I think from an offensive standpoint, that'd be my two areas of concern. Um, The running back situation behind Singletary and I think the depth at
1: wide receiver. I want to circle back to a couple of points that you hit on, but more so than anything else with Josh Allen, because I agree. It's he's playing at a level that's so good. It's almost easy to take it for granted. Now it's expected for him to go out and do what he did. And let's even just talk about that Baltimore game for a minute, because he, especially in the first half, now guys were dropping balls, but he was also a yeah. little too amped up. I watched um, Isaiah McKenzie. In fact, shout out Tyler Dunn. I went to uh misters on Monday night. He has the Isaiah McKenzie show he does with him. And Isaiah was talking about Josh was throwing the ball too hard. He pretty much just said that straight up. Oh yeah, he was he whipping it in there. Everybody, he was whipping yeah. the ball. He wasn't taking anything off yeah. of it. And Isaiah said, between the you know the rain and everything, it was just really hard to catch the ball. He was too amped up. But anyway, my point was this: he makes plays when he has to, like that touchdown run, or forget about the touchdown run. It was a fourth down conversion, fourth and one. They snuffed the play out. He rolled out to the left. He got the guy up with the fake,
0: yeah. and
1: then and, and, and got the first down. He ran for that touchdown. He evaded a sack twice and hit Shakira along the sidelines on a second and three right before the two-minute warning. It reminded me in in ways of the Kansas City game in the playoffs Mm -hmm. last year. And to your point, we say unstoppable. When he's playing like that, he legitimately is unstoppable. His career development and how good he got now compared to what he was coming into the league, I think there's very few quarterbacks ever. And I've heard a lot of sports media people say this who cover the league. There's been very few quarterbacks who have developed at a level who've went from here to here, like Josh Allen ever has. And he's yeah. so good now that every time you see a quarterback come into the league and they don't play well early on, because Josh's stats were not good early on. You see, you take a Justin Fields and you're like, well, his stats after 20 games is this, that and the other, you know, <laughs> and people are saying, oh, well, Josh Allen's stats are only this and that, but there's not a lot of people who come into the league and develop like Josh Allen does. It's just, it's so damn easy to take how good he is for granted, man. Yeah. And that was my number one takeaway, too. And I wrote this in my notes: like money, getting the big contract and the hype, you know, all the offseason hype, playing with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes on on national TV, golf, and all the yeah. accolades yeah. and the predictions of him winning MVP. You would be like, I was a little concerned going into the season that is this gonna get in his head just a little bit because it would be easy to do that. Yeah. The answer so far is hell no, man. He's the got
2: so been, down to earth, man. You know, he
1: is, dude. He he just, he really is. That's a good thing. I got a handful of good things. Some of them you you talked about. Uh, I think Vaughn Miller's as good as advertised. Yep. He's got three sacks already. He had two in the first game and it's not even the stats. And we said this before the season, don't look at how many sacks he has. It's when he gets them, when they're going to matter the most in the biggest moments. Is he going to make his teammates around him better. I think that's certainly the case. So I think Vaughn Miller's been as good as advertised. I think Gregory Rizzo is clearly taking the next step. Yeah. He's already got four sacks this year. He's got at least a half a sack in all four games. He looks really good. And he's a really good edge setter in defending the run, too. So he's not just the guy who gets after the quarterback. Um, we talked about Josh Allen. I brought up Isaiah McKenzie. It's another good point that I think so far this year. he's uh, What do you think of Isaiah McKenzie? I think he's functioning just fine in the slot. Now, yeah. I did tweet out Sonny because I was annoyed because these guys were dropping the freaking football over the place. <laughs> And Isaiah does make mistakes. Like, he caught one pass. I remember it, too. He caught a pass on second down instead of falling forward for the first down like Cole Beasley always did. He kind of took a step back. Yeah, got right, tackled right. for the yeah. loss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then yeah. they got stuffed and didn't convert. And I ended up having a punt. Ooh, I was pissed off. I tweeted something about the Bills, you know, having that, missing that Cole Beasley. But, again, that was kind of an idiot, knee-jerk reaction from me. <laughs> because he's put up good numbers, man. I think he just looked just fine in the slide. And yep. he scored two touchdowns. What do, what do you think yep. this game so far this year?
2: Yeah, I don't. You know, it, he's been what he's been the last year. or So no, I I don't know if he's a full time slot guy for you. Um, I honestly think there's more they can do with him. Um, you know, jet sweeps, getting him in space more. Uh, I think there's more of that you can even you know make him more more of an impact player. But yeah, I mean, I don't have any issues with what he's brought to this team, what he's done. Uh, he's a good red zone threat. It's it's shown, and I think because you know of his size, he he kind of can get lost, like in bunch of situations or on you know, um, I don't want to say screens. Not really a screen, but like on motion plays. You know, I think he can get lost in the red zone because of his size. So, you know, I, I think that's an advantage to you. Um, so yeah, I don't have any issues at all with how he's played. I think he's he's been what you would kind of hope for.
1: Yeah, and two other things too. I I think for the most part, I think the Bills' depth this year, which has certainly been tested. We talked about a lot of the injuries. I think that that's been pretty good. Tamar Hamlin's been all right. You know, Jaquan Johnson did some good things in Miami, a couple of mistakes too. But anyway, these guys are just forcing the action. Benford, before he got hurt, um, on the defensive end, got guys like uh, Boogie Basham's done some things. Shaq Lawson had a key play in that game. That interception by Jordan Poyer in the end zone, the second Poyer interception, that doesn't happen if Shaq Lawson doesn't force Lamar Jackson out of the the pocket and make him go on the run. So a little... Go keep things like that. The offensive line has been tested already. Uh, Quinn Morris has done some things. Reggie Gilliam has done some positive things. So this team's pretty deep. It's not like I look at teams like, uh, like say, the Rams last year. are won it all. But the Rams are very, like, top-heavy. You know, there's some teams in the league that got three or four superstars and they're top-heavy. And then the yeah. talent level really dips. I, I feel like this Bills team is really, really deep, and we're seeing that uh, through the first month. And then the last thing, and I don't know if – I want to get your opinion on this too, because some people thought it was an overblown set. It didn't mean shit, but the bills have lost a lot of one score games. They were either zero seven seven or oh, and eight they've either lost seven or eight. I can't remember what it is in a row. One 7. score game. It was, was it seven? Yeah. And the chatter was, and I don't get me wrong. I created some of the chatter myself. I was questioning the same thing. I'm like, either the bills run you out of the stadium with their talent or you punch them in the face. It gets in the fourth quarter. It's a close game and they're finding ways to lose. So anyway, um, this win in Baltimore, I'm glad they won the way they did. I'm, yeah. I'm happier that they won the way they did. If if they would have won in the Baltimore and won 41 to 10, I would have been like, all right, cool. We're the better team. And he yeah. showed it great. But the fact that they had to come back, they played ugly. They came back. It was a close game. Fourth quarter, last drive, they score and they win. That meant a lot. I think that gets the monkey off their back. And I don't know if they'll admit it or not, but I, I think that might've been something that was weighing on them a little bit. Oh shit. It's the last five minutes. And, you know what's gonna yeah. happen now what what do you think about that? Do you think that was exaggerated, or do you think that was real
2: so i, I guess it's funny two hockey guys, I think Kevin and I kind of pushed a lot of that conversation um in in terms it wasn't really it's not the record, okay like, like yeah the record there there's there's flukes within and and I understand right mhm um it wasn't so much the record for me it it's I, I think it's one thing that you said I, I think I want to see them do it like to for them mentally going you know going into because this year is about one thing it's winning a Super Bowl so that's what my focus is and and I want I wanted them to have one two three games where uh, they have those close games and they pull them out right? I think mentally going into the playoffs because I think that's when it tightens up they are not going to win every single game 41 to 10 in the playoffs you're not going to have a Patriots game every single one you know Patrick Mahomes is still out to playing football, and you're probably going to run into him again. Hopefully in your building this time, but you're probably going to run into him again, and you got to be ready to play a closed game. So that was one aspect of it. I think the other aspect of it is, you know, you can just say Kansas City. I mean, it's the difference. The room for error in winning a Super Bowl is so thin that those small decisions of a 4%, 5% or less chance of winning can be the difference between a Super Bowl or not. So my thing has always been, not always been, but recently kind of is, is I think the team itself, you know, Josh, you know, he he, he won that game for them twice last year. So I think he's, he's shown that he can do that. I think the defense has to show, and, and they've done it recently, um, that they can lock teams down in close games. I think it did it against the Rams. It did it against the Ravens. So we've seen that. So that's good. So then the last thing maybe need to see is if McDermott is up to it again, because I think two years in a row now in Kansas city, he hasn't been up to it. Right. I I think the first year um, he played scared and they lost Mm -hmm. the second year. There were one or two decisions within the game that were questionable. Um,
1: You're being really nice. On a questionable is being really nice, by the way. In my
2: mind, when you're playing Patrick Mahomes, you never assume you're getting a stop. So you should be trying to score touchdowns every single chance you get. Mm -hmm. In in that type of game, whether you're on Kansas City side or you're on Buffalo side, if you force the other offense to kick a field goal, that is a stop. That counts as a stop. So, But even with those bad decisions, they were at the point to win the football game. And that team lost... And you will not convince me otherwise that team lost because of that coaching staff. That is why that team lost that game. No other
1: reason. You will not get an argument from me. I have went at it with people literally off season, the entire off season. I like Sean McDermott as a character. I do too. He makes a
2: lot of good choices. He He is most 95% of the time. He makes the right call. He is aggressive. He needs to be aggressive, right? but it's that 5% and that 5% seems to always come when it matters and when it's tight.
1: Yeah. There's no question that anyone who could come away with any conclusion other than Sean McDermott gagged away the last 13 seconds of that playoff game. You're overthinking it. You know, you could have a whole entire spreadsheet full of facts, figures, and numbers. Sean McDermott gagged away those last 13 seconds at Kansas city. Now coaches, have done that in the past. He's not the first coach to do right. that. And he'll have plenty of opportunities, hopefully, especially this year, to redeem himself. Andy Reid was known as a guy who couldn't win a big game for quite mm-hmm. a while. And then Andy Reid won the big game. And now people don't say that shit no more. Hopefully that'll be what happens with Sean McDermott for sure. Absolutely. Um, but I, yeah, I do. I, really, I agree with you. And I think championship teams, any championship team in any sport, I think there's an element of luck involved. Of there, you're going to win ugly, close games. I yeah. don't care who you are. Even the Edmonton Oilers, the Wayne Gretzky years, when they'd win the cup every single year, it felt like. I'm sure they won close games, you know, and even in the well, maybe not. Maybe they did win eight to one every every <laughs> game. Maybe the Edmonton Oilers of the, of the '80s is the wrong team to be comparing to. But well, you know what I'm saying, man. You mm. gotta you gotta win those close, ugly games. Get ugly. I feel like the Bills won a game they should have lost, just like the week before that they lost a, or they won a they lost a game that they, they absolutely should have won. won. Yeah. So kind of balanced yeah. out. Negative side. Well, you hit on it already. Injuries, man. Mike Hyde gone. I hate that. At Ad- Oliver hasn't played except for the first half of the first game. I, he, I think he's one of the better defensive tackles in the mm. NFL, and I'm just dying to see it again. On uh, yeah. Jordan Phillips, what a difference maker he is! It's so funny too because he was so good with the Bills, but they didn't want to pay him. Understandably so at the time, they yeah. let him walk. He goes to Arizona. He does absolutely shit in Arizona. Comes back to Buffalo. And he's a beast again. It's just yeah. crazy how much he wanted a player. But anyway, yeah. he's missed. Mitch Morris has not been 100%. He missed that yeah, Miami right, game, right. which was huge. Jordan Poyer yeah. didn't play in the Miami game. You can make a very, very strong case that the Bills are 4-0. Forget all the other guys. Just if Jordan Poyer plays, he probably makes a play at some point in that game. That's what he's been doing all yeah, the Third and
2: 32 probably doesn't happen if players in the lineup.
1: Right, 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 right. Yeah, Jaquan Johnson, and they weren't played by Waddle. He, he got smoked. Um, and then the other thing, which is kind of, A two-parter, Gabe Davis, is playing, but he's still not healthy. And I'm telling you, man, this is a concern of mine. If I'm the Bills, and I've said this for two weeks running, and I'm going to really bang that drum this week, I would not play him this week. Get him healthy because you're playing Kansas City and Green Bay after that. Dude, there's not a bigger Gabe Davis fan on the Twitter app than me. I love Gabe Davis. I've been saying that dude could be the next Mike Evans for well over a year now before the Kansas city playoff game but i so i watch him and i know him and he ain't right in fact I, look i saw him on monday night at barbill and i'm not gonna say he was limping but you could just tell when someone's mm-hmm. still walking a little gingerly and he clearly is not 100 percent. and you're seeing it he dropped a, he didn't drop a touchdown out of miami but he had two hands on a ball that got knocked out that the game davis i know comes down with he had two drops in baltimore He's not getting any separation at all. It's almost like he's some kind of decoy yeah. out there or I mean, something. to be I fair, know.
2: he never really ever got separation. That's not really that, his
1: game. That's true. He's a contestant. You're <laughs> right. No, you're you're 100% right. But it just feels to me without a healthy Gabe Davis to get downfield and throw that ball and sling yeah. it around, the Bills have almost become like a dink and dunk offense right. these last couple weeks. That's been effective. They should have won in Miami. They did win in Baltimore. But there's just an element when Gabe Davis, and, and you kind of hit on this, when he's not in that lineup, that depth, they don't have a, a Gabe Davis replacement. I mean, obviously, they don't have a Diggs replacement either. But yeah, Mackenzie Shakir Crowder has got a broken ankle. They're kind of semi interchangeable. But Gabe Davis, especially and Diggs, I don't know, man. The depth is a little bit of concern, and I don't know if you're if you're McDermott, you kind of looked at me like uh, you would not sit Gabe Davis. You see, do you disagree with me? Does he play through it? What do you do with him? He's not right. Yeah. We we both agree on that. He's not 100, yeah. percent and it shows.
2: I don't think you're wrong in your in your thought process. The problem you have here is I think you said it. You have Crowder as a broken angle, and you have McKenzie in the concussion protocol. Yeah. And Kumaro's out. So you're down two receivers, Kumaro and Crowder, and McKenzie's questionable. Does he play? Probably. With well, the concussion, you don't know for sure. True. So, and you're at that point. Okay. Then you're going to say Gabe Davis. Then what? You're going to have Diggs in. Shakir and Isaiah Hodgins, like it's,
1: it's, Austin. It's you're right, but to your point, you're right. It's
2: Pittsburgh. You, you probably should still win, but you, you, I think that's getting close to playing with fire kind of territory. Um it's putting a lot on Josh's shoulders. Um so I yeah, I mean it.
0: I, I guess think, I you, guess that
2: buy the buy being really, I think maybe is gonna help. Because after the Kansas City game, you get that bye. So you maybe you just kind of grit him through the next two weeks and then really rest him up in that bye before the Green Bay game.
1: He was, I mean, you look at Gabe Davis, healthy Gabe Davis, the end of last year, that Kansas City game, what more can you say? And even the, the Rams team, game, he did. The yeah, Rams right, game, yeah, he yeah. scored the first touchdown. He was basically yeah. unguardable. And you ain't gonna, he ain't going to get double teamed because you got Stephon Diggs on the other side. You know yeah. what I mean? So there's not much you could do about it, but he's just, you're right. He's not a guy who gets a lot of separation. He's not a crisp route runner. He's no Stefan Diggs. You know, he's, he's not, he's not like that, but he's just for such what it's a, worth a bad
2: ankle. Doesn't mean your hands are broken. The, the dude's got to catch balls. I know. Like, and that, that bad I, ankle or not, like, I, I you know? I've
1: talked about that too. I wonder out loud. It's like, this is affecting him physically. Obviously. I wonder if yeah. it's, I wonder if the ankle is affecting him a little bit mentally as well, because drops to kind of, to some extent. Our mental lapses unless of course Josh Allen is gunning a ball full speed right. at you when you're right. you know six feet away but these drops he had they were they they weren't the hardest throws either like Jamison Crowder had a drop on Sunday and that's because I thought Josh Allen was going to take his head off where to throw on yes. throw down on that slant um yeah. and then the last point which is something else you hit on where I go on the negative side through the first month Devin Singletary aside and even him to an extent the, the running game is just atrocious man I mean it is really bad. Yeah. Zach Moss had a 43 yard run. Great, you know, he had good a run because he, hasn't, he didn't play in an
2: hour and the rest of everyone else in the field was exhausted. Oh. So that, that's it, why he had a 43 yard run.
1: <laughs> what's he was the precious
2: guy in the field.
1: Give me a hockey comparison to when the Sabres, you know, or, or when the Bills, they'll bring out Singletary, they'll bring out Cook, and then every once in a while they'll bring out Zach Moss and he just smashes into the middle of the defense for a one yard game. I don't know. That's like going to a hockey game and paying good money and watching a, a game that zero, zero, like halfway through the third period or something, yeah. just a waste. That's what the, the, it's almost like the bills are throwing a white flag in on a drive. Whenever you bring in Zach boss yeah. and you run him up the middle, you're just begging to, to, to punt, which the bills obviously don't do often. And to me, it's like, this guy can't get a yard and short. He's not, I mean, they're not even really getting many opportunities in short yardage when he has, he's, he's been stuffed. If Zach Moss can't get you these tough yards up the middle, he literally has no use of being on this roster to me. And I'm at a point now where if you're not going to run Zach Moss or if he's not going to be effective for you and he can't do what you want him to do, get him out. Don't even have him in the lineup. And James Cook, the rookie, which actually, you know what? Let's talk about that separately. Have you seen enough of Zach Moss? I I don't know what else to say. I mean, I know that's a kind of a yeah, plain question, but I just... I what do you? Think, what's he gonna do that differently? That he, that from what you've seen, that he, he hasn't done already. I mean, I, I just can maybe talk him up as a.
2: I I, I when they drafted him, I, I could see maybe as like a
1: as a short distance back. Yeah, but he can't even do that. I liked him coming out. I was pumped. I, I was calling him RB one. Yeah, I remember. Here's my was wrong. Here's my thing. Look,
2: sure. I I can say I've seen enough of Zach Moss. And fine, you can do that. Look, if you're, it gets it gets, it gets difficult at this point because you'd have to open a roster spot. I think Duke Johnson got some game in him
1: still. Thank you. That's what I was coming with next. You beat like, me to it. Do you, do you maybe want to see? Like he yeah. played pretty good for. I think it
2: was the Dolphins at the end of last season. I thought he had a pretty good training camp. Yeah. He catches balls out of the backfield, he can run for you. I mean, he again, you have to cut somebody to open a roster spot. Um, he's on yeah, the but But are they going to? I mean, can you trade yeah. him?
1: I, I would say probably not. Right, he's got not. no value. Unless the Giants liked him, you know, obviously the staff and the Brian Dable for some reason he liked right. him. Maybe, I, yeah, maybe you can know. call him and see if they want him as a backup for Barkley. Maybe. I mean, of course, who doesn't want Saquon Barkley? I, I think that's a fan in media. I, I'd be stunned. Oh, no, if The Giants are going to seriously trade him. the Giants are three no. and one right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You no. what their fans would do if they traded Saquon the Bills Barkley. Bills are not trading for
2: a running back. They're not trading for.
1: They're not, and no. and the Giants. I don't see them trading Saquon Barkley no. either, especially being no. three and one. Right. But to your point right. about Duke Williams, take your pick, flip a coin. Either you could cut Zach Moss or here's the other thing. And this is, I think Sean McDermott done a good job of handling rookies. Like Benford earned the start over the season over Elam. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's pretty, I, I admire that. That he didn't just hand the job to the first round pick. He gave it to a six round guy who earned it. I like that. Uh, as much as I like Khalil Shakir, we saw some good things from him on Sunday. And I think now we're going to get an opportunity to see more from him going forward but I had no problem with them going with uh, Jamison Crowder. He's a veteran who's done some good things in this league to begin the season anyway, who's proven himself and they've had a shitload of problems at punt returner and he's a steady hand punt returner. So I get that, but with James cook, and this is the one thing where I think Sean McDermott was doing a bad job of managing uh, his rookies on this roster. So he he plays against the Rams. He fumbles. Bye-bye. See you next week. Right. That's literally what happened. Right. He plays a little bit against the Titans has a good game against miami i think caught a couple like five passes or some shit like that against miami and then fast forward last week to to baltimore he drops a pass he does not see the ball again the rest of the game he's a rookie uh, a second round rookie so you expect good things from him but he's still he's a rookie and uh do you feel like maybe at this point now make a mistake you get benched i make a mistake two weeks later i get benched it's like It's got to mess with your confidence as a rookie, man. And it's like, are you playing at that point afraid to make a mistake is what I'm saying. Instead of playing loose and hard and free, you might be tight because you're afraid that you're going to make a mistake. And if you make one mistake, you're going to get benched. I hate that. And if that is going to continue to be the case... I, now you don't cut him obviously, but may, maybe you make him inactive. You find a way to get Duke Williams on the active roster. You got to keep Moss if you're stuck with him. Maybe the Bills like him more than you and I do. And you have Moss, Singletary, and Duke Johnson, and you just have James Cook inactive because if if he's one mistake away from not playing again for the rest of the game, then I don't even think he should be dressing.
2: Yeah, yeah, have a vote I, I of think, confidence
1: in him. That's what I I'm think.
2: Saying. They're not. Yeah, by handling it that way, I think they're not allowing him to get enough flow. Um, We kind of saw in tennis against Tennessee, I know the game didn't matter and it was way out of hand. Um, But when he got a lot of carries and he was in the game for a while, he kind of got into a flow a little bit. So I think this Steelers game, especially if we're going to be short handed wide receivers, is a game that you can get him into. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, allow him to get some carries. You know, I. And don't get me wrong. This this isn't the season to so work kind on of developing your second round running back. Uh, but if you're going to do it, October is the time to do it. Uh, see what you have there. You know, get him. You no, know, maybe the next two weeks. See if you can get him going here against Pittsburgh, and then maybe you can bring him out as a weapon against Kansas City, uh, and then go into a buy and evaluate. If he doesn't get going in Pittsburgh, then I guess maybe you you can you don't play him against Kansas City really, and then you evaluate in your buy. But, yeah, I, I'm hoping that this week against the Steelers that they they try to get him going. Um, the weather at this point looks like it's going to be decent, so there's not going to be any rain to deal with. Um, yeah, I, I, I would try to get him going, try to get him in a flow, um, but I'm with you. If I never see Zach Moss again, um, that, that's fine with me. I don't <laughs> need to see him out there. He does no purpose for no. me. that serves me no purpose. I would absolutely play Singletary the most by far out of any of them at this point. Uh but I think if you want to mix in some you know some difference, I, I think you gotta you gotta try Cook here. Um and, and then if not, the like guy like I said, like I, you have Duke Johnson sitting there. I, I think the dude's got some game
1: still and, and I yeah. wouldn't be
2: afraid to look at it.
1: Let me be clear too. By no means do I don't want James Cook inactive. No, I just no, no, no. want him out there and I want the coach to have confidence in him that if he yeah. drops a pass, that it's not the last pass he's gonna get that game. I don't even know. I didn't look at a snap count, but I guarantee he played maybe two snaps the rest of the game after he dropped that pass. Literally didn't play. And I, yeah, Singletary is the best uh, of this group, but I'm not even really sold on him, which he's going to be a free agent after this year. We'll see how that plays out. I mean, he, look, he made mistakes in Baltimore. He made benchworthy mistakes. I think it was in a matter of three or four different plays. He dropped the pass and then he lost a fumble, which Baltimore, I believe, they scored a touchdown on too. So, I mean, but what are you going to do when you got Zach Moss and, he's not he's doing, giving you nothing. And you got James cook who the team doesn't trust as a rookie right now. You got no choice, but to go back to signature. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know, man, it's been a, it's been an interesting month though. The first month of the season. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this Pittsburgh, th- th- there's no reason to not lose. I mean, and there's no excuse I could possibly make to lose to Pittsburgh and, and a guy starting his first game, but uh-huh. they have played the bills tough. Now, of course, TJ Watt not being there is going to be, a, a, a big deal as well, but and uh, they
2: got some other key guys in that defense beat up too. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, this is a game the Bills should win going away, and I like your point. This if there's a game to get James Cook going, this feels like uh, and Shakir too. I would say the this would be yep. a great week yep, for for, sure. uh, for the Bills rookies. All right, everybody, give Chad a follow on Twitter at CM cm_diminiscus. Check out expected Buffalo. I have links for all that stuff in the show notes as well. Thanks, buddy, man. I always appreciate you having on the podcast. And uh, again, everyone make sure you check out Expected Buffalo. Sorry for butchering the Aaron Judge shit at the beginning of the show. Go <laughs> okay. on you, Aaron. One of my favorites, Chad D. Thanks, buddy. Always good to have you on, man.
2: Anytime, man. Thanks.